This is the All Markets Summit podcast from Yahoo Finance. Joining us now, Miles Udlin with Barbara Humpton and Joe Yukuzoglu. All right. Good morning, everybody. Thanks so much for stopping by. Barbara, Joe, thanks for coming here. Um, you know, I was talking with, with some of my colleagues about uh, this panel, about, you know, we've got Siemens, we have Deloitte, and they said, what, what exactly do they do? And so I would like to start with perhaps a simple question here. Um, how would you guys define your businesses, which are quite wide-ranging and kind of this simple elevator pitch, when someone says, you know, Barbara, what does Siemens do? Here's what you would tell them. Siemens brings technology to address some of the world's most challenging issues. Think about climate change, urbanization, aging demographics, and this ever-increasing global supply chain. Layover all of that digitalization. By the way, we're in a skyscraper, right, the elevator? And and with all of that said, we bring our know-how in electrification, automation, digitalization to address those challenges. Great. And you guys consult, obviously. Well, what's fascinating is you take one of the world's preeminent manufacturing company, Siemens, and I wouldn't answer that question that differently than Barbara just did. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would add the word people. So we take great people along with great technology, and we help organizations tackle really complex challenges. And so in this era of rapid digital transformation, globalization, being able to counsel companies on very difficult, complex, challenging issues, and ultimately take advantage of the opportunities on the horizon is at the core of what we do every day. So the the conference this year, um, as we all know, about generational opportunities, we're here to talk about the next-gen economy. But before we get there, I want to talk about the economy right now, because I think um, you know we've seen some data that suggests we are later cycle. Um, Barbara, you certainly have noticed that in the manufacturing sector, um, we've seen indications for Perhaps things haven't been this tough since the crisis. And so as you see the economy right now from the Siemens point of view, um, what are you seeing in in the U.S. and and perhaps the global economy as well? Yeah, obviously, um, what what a lot of people don't know is we do about $23, $24 billion worth of revenue here in the U.S. We're a net exporter to the rest of the world with $5.5 billion in exports in everything like power systems and healthcare systems, et cetera. Um, We are all concerned about the indicators we're seeing in manufacturing. That is you know, a vital indicator for many, many of our customers. We understand the geopolitical factors at mm-hmm. work right now. But I will tell you that there has not been a better time to use this opportunity for transformation. This is a moment when we can actually invest in those manufacturing enterprises and bringing in digital, mm-hmm. using the data that's being produced is going to be transformative for well, us. So do you feel like that is, is that just a feature of the fact that it's easy to borrow money and to invest in your business? Or is it because we have, um, I think in many ways, put off, many companies have put off the digital transformation they've all said they needed to do until this breaking point when you, know, you have most of your workforce is now expecting a certain amount of digitization and perhaps the manufacturing sector just hasn't quite gotten there? Uh, you know, I'll just, I'll look at it a little differently. We've been through many technical transformations where what was required was a tremendous financial investment. Mm-hmm. What's fascinating about where we are today is the digital transformation doesn't require that. 
The digital transformation just requires that we get started. And so you'll see in Siemens, as well as with things we're doing for our customers, simple things like bringing digital natives onto the factory floor, getting them to work with 40-year veterans to talk about how to use data in a new and different way actually brings new capabilities to the floor. And then, Joe, obviously, you know, you guys are touching a lot of different sectors of the of the economy. Um, what are your clients telling you about? I mean, you're seeing, are you seeing, you know, less interest in buying another company or making a big investment? Is there some caution among the clients that you guys are working with? Look, the data are clear. Obviously, in the manufacturing sector across several key economies around the globe, you do see some level of slowing. That said, manufacturing represents about 14% of the U.S. economy, mm -hmm. and there are huge pockets of strength across the broader economy, including in the services segment, and that's in large part driven by the investments that companies are making mm -hmm. in digital transformation. On balance, we're pretty bullish. We're not gonna sit here and try to predict the exact timing of a business cycle. We're obviously at a historic length here. At some point, you should expect some level of slowing. That's you know, just the history of economics would suggest that. I think we ought to spend more time talking about the medium to long-term outlook, though, which continues to be very, very bullish. When you look at the impact of all of these innovative technologies sort of converging and what that ought to allow in terms of increased productivity in the real economy, yeah. I mean, notwithstanding all of the great innovation out there, we still see productivity growth at historically low levels. At some point, all of this will come together and result in a real bump for the underlying economy, irrespective of whether the business cycle, six months out, 12 months out, 18 months out, experiences a minor dip. Well, certainly there's you know an area of the stock market that's been, um, you know, people have been quite excited about over the last few years is the enterprise SaaS place, which is, yeah. I think, essentially where both of your businesses sit, right? You're going, um, whether it's your own business or going into a client's business and saying, okay, here are some things you can do with some software to make things easier for you or actually get the productivity out of your workforce. And, and so, Joe, thinking about, you know, the projects that you guys are taking on? I mean, what are the, some of the simple things that you're seeing um, you can solve for your clients that really does change the way they are approaching their business and perhaps you know, sets them outside of the cycle, right? The cycle affects everybody, but there are ways that your business can um, not have to worry about what the latest ISM number was. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the underlying strength in the enterprise software space and frankly of the U.S. equity markets as a whole, the U.S. continues to be an incredibly attractive destination for capital relative to opportunities around the world. When you look at our business, I mean, what we do more and more is partner with other leading organizations. The solutions of tomorrow's challenges don't exist within the four walls of any one company. Mm -hmm. And so we have very deep privileged partnerships with a number of the large enterprise software players where we combine you know, our leading industry knowledge, our competence and expertise on the technology side with their leading solutions from a software standpoint and help companies challenge, what do I do with the tidal wave of data? Mm -hmm. How do I actually successfully migrate to the cloud and use it as a real catalyst for transformation of the business model? How do I make use of cognitive artificial intelligence and embed it into my underlying business processes at the same time mm -hmm. that I'm taking my workforce along the journey? 
And, and so, you know, we talked uh, prior to this about the, the class, or not the class, the generational divide, I think, that we see in some of our workforces and thinking about, you know, the next leg of where the economy goes as um, we are joking earlier, millennials aren't like kids anymore, right? We're getting married and we have our own children. Uh, we're buying our own homes. Um, and, and Barbara, thinking about, you know, recruiting for Siemens and where you guys go as an organization, um, what are some things that have changed as you've seen uh, a change in your workforce because, you know, the largest cohort of kids is what, 28, 29, so they graduated college, they came to your company, they've become middle management now. I mean, how has the process of you guys organizationally dealing with that change um, impacted the way you, you handle things? Well, yeah, first of all, um, what we're finding is there's a real richness in bringing together multi-generational teams, right? A lot of people talk about the generational divide. This is actually a real asset in the kind of work we do. When you look at the large infrastructure projects that Siemens will take on, I mean, think about 40% more power for Egypt, as an example. 14.4 gigawatts of power generation built in a 27-month period. You don't get into that kind of work with a bunch of new folks, you know, who you've just picked up out of college and maybe trained for a few years. You need the people with 30 years of experience, 40 years of experience. But then combining that know-how from years and decades in a market space with the, the knowledge of today's tools uh, that can actually in, realize the new business models and the new approaches, that's where the real richness comes together. So we're all about multi-generational teams. A lot of people ask me, how do I move up in the organization? And my favorite response is, which way is up? Right. Right. Which way which is way, up? Which way is, I suppose. Well, right, because some people want to move up in the management ranks. But I'd also say a lot of people, especially these millennials who are having to ask myself, ask themselves, what is success? It may be moving out with customers or it may be going yeah. deep into technologies. Any one of those can be a, a definition of a great career path. And I think we're, we're seeing very much the same. And I'm not sure that I like the sort of description of divide, it implies an us against them, which is not, not at all what we're seeing on the ground. I mean, the opportunities for those joining these very large or global organizations have never been greater. And as much talk as you hear about, you know, what's the impact on jobs of the rise of technology, artificial intelligence, cognitive, I mean, this is not a new subject. You can yeah. go back a few hundred years. <laughs> and every wave of technology disruption has at first been met by concern and fear. And we're very much in that stage right now. But ultimately, produces on balance net more jobs and opportunities than those old opportunities that were destroyed. And we're very confident that we're in the midst of a similar transformation. The key though is education, it's tech savviness, it's reskilling those who potentially, you know, we're used to doing something that now technology is able to do better and allowing them to fully participate in the digital well, economy. And I, and I want to ask about the skills gap, right? We hear that from so many um, different leaders in different industries. I mean, as you guys see it, um, you know, from the Deloitte perspective, you go into a project to meet with the client. Um, it, what would be the skills gap in that situation? Are you actually seeing it? Or to your point about AI, which I, I am much more sympathetic to than the it's going to ruin all the jobs, right? Like, it's probably going to create more jobs. 
it's probably fine. The skills gap might not be as large as people perceive, but when you go into a project, what are some of the things perhaps that um, on a reskilling basis you know, are the easiest first steps that you're taking? Well, you, what you're seeing is an evolution. It used to be that you had certain individuals who were tagged as technology specialists, and that distinction has lost its meaning. Every job has the requirement to at least have some level of what we'd call tech savviness. And it really is incumbent upon us as a business community to make certain that we're doing our part, both to train up our current workforces, as well as to be out there in the community and make certain that there's opportunity for all in society at large, mm -hmm. relative to taking on the types of skills that allow you to be successful in this economy. Because you know, at the end of the day, if you have great people who have a desire to learn, who are agile, leave the rest to us. We're very, very equipped at making certain that they ramp up that learning curve, and we're all making huge investments. I mean, we decided several years back to put up a physical facility in Dallas, what we call Deloitte University, an 800-room state-of-the-art learning facility. And at the time, that was somewhat controversial. People asked the question, you know, is learning moving online? You know, are people gonna wanna go to a physical facility? Our biggest problem today is that it's sold out, mm -hmm. that the demand is so strong and that people still want to be so this is together ex external culturally. External clients would go there. External clients yeah. and our own people okay. learning side by side. Yeah. But can I just share, sure, there's, there's one other aspect to this, because uh, yes, the skills gap is real. The, the jobs need is, is urgent, right? They're, for the first time in a long time, more open jobs than we have people on unemployment, right? So how are we gonna close that gap? One of the things as a technology company we're focused on at Siemens is how can we make our technology more accessible? How can we enable people to get access and capability? I'll give you an example. Have you heard of low-code software development? This idea that, remember when we always used to use uh, publishers to you know, produce our documents, now we have tools right on our desktops that allow us to publish our own documents. What about software? What if that could be the same way? Software jobs are growing at twice the rate of any other, of, I'll say of jobs writ large, and if we could make more people capable of doing programming, through easy, low-code environments, then we can bring more productivity in the workforce. That's what I'm talking about, making the tools more accessible and easier yeah. to use. Well, and I, I guess, but also thinking about that in the context of where we are in the cycle, the unemployment rate's three and a half percent. I mean, is part of this that um, there's so much competition for labor that there's going to remain a skills gap no matter how easy you make it to develop certain of these tools? Well, the, the beauty is that you have probably the best environment in a half a century for the American worker. And there is intense competition, and it's incumbent then upon us as leading employers who are trying to attract in the best and the brightest to demonstrate the attractiveness and the value proposition of a career at an organization like Deloitte. And individuals who have a choice are asking the question, what are you going to do to invest back in me? Yeah. Does your organization align with my values? Because increasingly what you're seeing, that millennials are not that different from past generations in a lot of respects. They want to have great careers. They want to have great opportunities. But what is of paramount importance 
is that they feel like the organization they're working for is doing good from a societal standpoint and contributing to the community around us. And that has taken on such an important role in the overall platform of our organization. You see this across the business community. The Business Roundtable just put out a revamped statement of purpose, sort of overriding the old historical mindset that shareholder returns are at the sort of pinnacle and, and take on a level of primacy and really cementing the notion that our organizations exist to serve a broad right. cross-section of constituencies. And if we do that right, shareholder returns should be an outcome. Well, and so on that point, I, I want to ask you both then about you know, how has that impacted the decisions you're making at your level of how we want to essentially use our brand? Because even though they're not particularly consumer-facing, they are brands, right? Yes. How do you want to use your brand to stand for some sort of corporate message? Because we've seen a lot of companies, um, I think, have great success in that area, but also make missteps. And so how has that factored yeah, into Yeah, I've been so proud to be a, a leader in Siemens for just this reason, right? First of all, Siemens why aligns with my own personal why. I, bringing, bringing technology to solve big, hard problems is just a joy for me. And the fact that Siemens views itself not as B2C, not as B2B, but as B2S, business to society is really, I think, has been a strong message. And one of the most important values we have is creating an ownership culture where 80% of all Siemens employees worldwide are shareholders in the company. We made, we made shares available to employees for free. And, uh, and, and still, right, we still have a few more we need to reach to, to become shareholders in the company. But, but it's that shared value yeah. that I think really creates the foundation. And then, Joe, I guess, how does that translate on, on your end? Because you have a lot of teams that are on temp projects, right? It might be, might be three or five years somewhere, but ultimately you are you know, hired help to um, work with a separate company. So how does it, you know, I guess, to you, think about what does it mean to be a Deloitte person going out into the world representing that brand? Well, th this is an important part of of my role in constructing a vision for the organization in order to protect Deloitte's iconic global brand, not just with our clients, but with our people who have a choice as to where they're gonna get up and go to work every day. We just had a couple of weeks ago at Deloitte University our first annual inclusion summit. And we had people from all levels, from early in their career through very senior people. And the quality of the questions that was asked and the ability to stand up and ask the tough questions. Mm -hmm. What types of client engagements do we take on? Who are we willing to serve and align our brand with? What are the types of positions that we as an organization should be willing to speak out on because they align with our values? Yeah. And I have to be able to stand up and confidently answer those questions that the type of work that we're doing positively impacts our communities and aligns with our values. All right, we'll have to leave it there. Uh, Barbara Humpton, CEO of Siemens US, Joe Ukazoglu, CEO of Deloitte US. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you.